بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اللهم لا سهل الا ما جعلته سهلا وانت تجعل الحزن اذا شئت سهلا اللهم اعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته uh, so, um, so today mashallah is a good lesson in that um, a few really interesting principles of fiqh or usul I should say principles of fiqh and uh, also some really interesting I think applications with respect to two hopefully two okay maybe one uh, fard of the wudu that we hope to cover today inshallah um, there's a few things I wanted to announce though uh, before we start the class um, the first of those is that um, keep your eyes open um, on the mailing list uh, stroke Facebook page stroke um, forum uh, there will be some practice questions that will be soon released practice exam questions these are just basically what because we've obviously finished the major chapter and then obviously we've now started into the obligations and um, we're still considering to maybe have potentially a, a mini exam we're not too sure about that just yet um, we'll discuss that with the senior team whether we want to have an exam just to act as a way of reviewing the previous chapter not too sure about that but regardless we will certainly be releasing some practice questions that we're able to test where you're at and so on so we're looking at that so keep an eye open for that if you receive any emails you know that we don't just send out any kind of email uh, so make sure that's open. Um, there's a few things I just wanted to also, um, alhamdulillah, we are up to date with respect to the notes, the transcribed notes, and they're mashallah looking great, uh, better than ever before, alhamdulillah, and that's uh, something which is now, as I said, up to date on the forum and on the portal. Uh, last week's lesson, you know, <laughs> they're, they're trying to make a lesson out of it. And as you can imagine, that must be like the nightmare of all nightmares. And I told them that they don't really need to, but they're looking at that. And, you know, if they want to, then, then great. I think it's more of a video. It's more of a watch that, really, to be honest. I don't think it's very transferable. Um, but like I said, the transcribing team have done a great job. And I wanted to thank some specific people because I know that uh, you'd only kind of think of just the LP kind of transcribing team and Sister with who heads it. And she, of course, is the crux behind everything, mashallah. But she has a great uh, group of people who are working uh, uh, with her from all over the world, meaning that in a number of different countries, both locally and then nationally and then internationally. And I wanted to specifically uh, make dua and thank publicly uh, Sister Warda, uh, Hamza and Sister Warda Sharif, uh, Sister Shazia Fazal, Sister Hamda, uh, and uh, uh, Ambibola as well, who I think might, uh, um, might be leaving soon, but uh, because the work has kind of stacked up a bit. Because you'll notice that the, the notes are getting a lot better. They're getting uh, more referenced. The full Arabic is being given, even if I don't quote it in the class. Translations are being, give, are being given, even if I don't quote it in the class, which is making for a permanent legacy, which is a result of all of your uh, work. And in the referencing, then Hidayat as well, mashallah. Uh, uh, you know, he's done some great work as well. Uh, Sister Samira as well, of course. Sister Mesa. And then with the transcribing specifically, I wanted to mention Sister Alina, and then uh, Ali, uh, and then Amir, and by Aisha, and Fatima Mubarak, and again Ibrahim. Uh, Ibrahim Ulan again actually doing a lot of work. And then Sister Jumana from Australia, Shabana, Maria Hamariam, Abdurrahman Baig, 
Sister Sadaf and then Sisters Asma, Aisha and Saima. And mashallah, many of these I know and some of them I've met and others um, I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, Dr. Amreen as well, Siddiqui and then Sister Aisha and then Hidayat also in the referencing and Ibrahim in the emails as well. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you with the best in this life and the best in the akhirah. And I want to remind myself and yourself that none of us actually know what it will be that will get us to obtain the objective in the end, which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We just don't know. And uh, it may be a little thing that you, you contribute to. And everyone has, you know, I was thinking, subhanAllah, I was thinking that uh, on a, uh, I, had a, I had a conversation with uh, some, a, a dawah group the other day and they asked me for some advice and I advised them that, um, that they should this week, these are the three ayyam uh, al the three white days of the shahri uh, month, Rabi al-Awwal and that's the 12th and the 13th and the, uh, the 13th, the 14th and the 15th and tomorrow being the 15th and in some countries it's the 14th tomorrow, that's no problem but these three days are the sunnah of Rasulullah as in narrated by, uh, by Abu Hurairah in Bukhari Muslim that my friend advised me to do three things and of these at the top of these three things was to not leave fasting these three days every month and uh, you see it, what's, 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 what's amazing I tell you what's amazing what's amazing is that actually it was Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar who after one of the salawat he just mentioned it you know this is what we're going to be doing this week and whatever so I thought okay then and then that just stuck in my mind. Yeah, I had no intention to do it for Rabi al myself. And it stuck in my mind. And then when I was asked the question you know, on this kind of public forum, then I said, this is what I advise you because this is the Sunnah of Rasulullah Then I said, and I, you know, make sure that I set the example. And then I forgot to, I have obviously avenues, I can mail out Twitter, Facebook. And I forgot the night before to say for the day after, right? But I didn't know that, okay? But something was happening in the background. On the morning of the fast, on the morning of the fast, um, I, I, like earlyish, I kind of said, listen, guys, if you haven't had breakfast, then this is a sunnah fast, and it doesn't need an intention before Fajr. A sunnah fast, by the way, uh, any kind of sunnah, like Monday, the Thursdays, the three days, as long as you make the intention before Dhuhr and you haven't eaten, then that, that fasting is, is no problem. So I said, if you haven't had any breakfast, then just, you know, why don't you fast today? And hey, if you've had some breakfast, then fast tomorrow, and then... And then the, the, the day after, and a whole number of people then, uh, you said, oh, you know what, it's good, you know, we'll do that. It's only a couple of hours really left until the Maghrib anyway. So, might as well knock it out. And then they started spreading it. Little did I know that the night before, that news had gone out on the other network. And thousands and thousands of people in the West, when they were not expecting it, there's no single reason why this month is any special. In fact, very much not so, this month, any special to fast. There are thousands of people who are fasting this month and I've fasted the three days of this month and I'll fast tomorrow. That's amazing. The Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar in a random statement, he wasn't thinking that it was going to go from there to there. But that's just the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's the way that he controls the affairs. And for some people he does some small thing and you just don't know. And he'll get the reward of all of those people fasting. And I'm not, I'm not, it's not rhetoric. I'm not exaggerating when I say Thousands of people are fasting. I know that. Because you can see the amount of people who have said, that, okay, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. And then they tell their people. This is organic kind of things that pass. So I'm just saying that when it comes to, and you know what the Prophet ﷺ said? He said, 
Do not belittle a single good thing. Don't belittle any good that you do. Any good, because you have absolutely no idea what the impact it will be. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, uh, will do to it. And, you know, they're giving a little bit of sadaqah here and there on the, just the odd occasion. Don't think that I've given sadaqah already. Give a little bit more because you just don't know. That little bit more might be that specific bit of sadaqah which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes in his right hand. And as the hadith of Bukhari says, he will do tarbiyah of that sadaqah. He will do tarbiyah of that sadaqah, meaning that it grows, he cultivates it and nurtures it until it becomes yani, beyond belief. You just don't know. So I am very grateful to all the people who are doing some little bit in the da'wah, whether spreading knowledge, whether going through transcribing, referencing. Someone will benefit somewhere and there's nothing better than knowledge uh, in that. So those, you know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward and accept uh, uh, the deeds of all the people who work for his sake and then to make all of our deeds for his sake as well. Allahumma ameen. Um, there is one final thing which unfortunately is a bit more sad. Uh, and that is, and I want to thank Muhammad Suhail, one of the brothers from back in the day, uh, for alerting me to this fact. Uh, but certainly where I started my da'wah off, back in the dark ages, yeah, and a long time ago, um, is when, when my first like ever lectures uh, or, or circles, um, in fact, where the name Logical Progression was actually created in Ilford in Goodmaze at the Al-Ansar Center uh, in Ilford. There's a brother that I used to know. He used to be involved in the Masjid Abdul Hakim. He's a convert. Uh, and uh, his wife passed away a couple of days ago. His wife, Sumayya. And these are people who are involved in a da'wah. And I know them. And in LP as well. And so on. So, so that's a bit sad. But I wanted to uh, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ask you to make dua for her. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives her sins. And bestows his mercy upon her. And enters her into his highest paradise. Allahumma ameen. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless Abdul Hakim with patience and her wider family as well. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make the sabr of Abdul Hakim a blessed sabr, a beautiful patience which is a source of reward for him and not problems for him. And we are thinking about him as well. And I wanted to say that and I, I would hope that you could remember him in your own personal du'as as well. Okay, so... Let's jump into the text. We are on page 184 of Sharh al-Mumti' of Sheikh al-Uthaymin's uh, text. And I think page 1 of the text, actually I don't even have it. So uh, I think, what does it say? Uh, who's got it there? Who's got it one? You got it there? The actual text. Let's read that the first line. Uh, the obligations of wudu are six. The obligations of wudu are six. Uh, washing the face. Washing the face. And the mouth and nose included. And the mouth and the nose is included. The second one is washing the hands up to and including the elbows. Washing the hands up to and including the elbows. Number three, wiping the head with the ears included. Number three, wiping the ears with the wiping the head with the ears included. Okay, that's good. That's that's sufficient for us today, inshallah. So we've already covered the, in detail the washing of the face. Again, uh, I want to go through the, 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 the technical details first. And then once we've completed the obligations, once we've completed the section, then we'll do a practical demonstration proper with water and all the rest and bears going down. That will happen as well. 
don't worry, I won't let you down. Shazad's the only greatest moment of his life. And uh, uh, because he thinks I'm doing the practical demonstration. <laughs> 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 oh, Allah. So anyway, uh, I guess what I wanted to uh, uh, do in detail today, of course, is the washing of the hands. Now, hands is the word yad, and of course, the... the uh, the uh, author, he uses the word uh, yad because in its absolute sense, the hand represents basically the entire limb. It's the most well-known kind of aspect. And that's a very well-known principle in Sharia, actually in life, that when we're, we want to represent something big, we might focus on the uh, portion of it. And that portion basically represents uh, the whole. Now that's fine in language, but in legalities, that's not good enough, of course. Legally speaking, we have to be much more uh, exact. Because if, if we just said, oh, well, okay, well, hands is hands, then you just wash the hand and that would be the, the end of it. So when you say the word hand, okay, we know, right, that legally speaking, all we're talking about is literally this part here, okay? The palm and then the back of the palm and so on. But of course, and, 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 and the reason that that is the case, when you say that hand, when you say the word hand, that's what we believe. The uh, Quran indicates that as well because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ma'idah verse 38 As for the male thief and the female thief then cut their hands. Okay? Cut off, yani, in brackets, their hands. And we know that by consensus of the scholars uh, of fiqh that this is just referring to the hand right at the wrist joint basically the wrist becomes the end so what, what just before that okay so that's that's something uh, known and then also likewise in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Surah Al-Ma'idah again verse 6 uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa min. okay that um, that wipe your uh, faces and your hands wipe your faces and your hands from it. And what that, what's that, what's, what, what is that referring to? It's referring to tayammum. So that when you strike the, the dirt, okay, the dust, then once you have that dust on your hands, now wipe your faces and your hands. And we know again that the correct position of wiping your hands is just the hands and not wiping up to the elbows, even though you've seen some packs do that. I'm sure you have. You know, in the tayammum, they do the full kind of wiping over their entire like forearm as well. So anyway, the most important thing as, as narrated by Imam Bukhari, that the Prophet and Imam Muslim, as reference one there shows, that the Prophet never ever wiped anything other than his hands in tayammum. There is no evidence that he did anything other than that. So the real, the real issue of course is that then why, is it, why are we saying that it's up to the elbows? Well, we're saying that because the... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ In Surah Al-Ma'idah verse 6 again, wash your hands up to the elbows, up to, إِلَى إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ مَرَافِقِ, okay, the word مَرَافِقِ is the plural of the word مِرْفَقِ and the word مِرْفَقِ is elbow, okay, and the reason why it's called مِرْفَقِ is, يعني, when, some, when someone is يَرْتَفِقْ مُرْتَفِقًا it means that he's lying down, basically, or he's leaning. And because when you lie down or you lean, you tend to lean on your elbow, you know, that kind of position, right? 
that's the normal position because it's what you lean on then that's where the, 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 the linguistic kind of idea of the word comes from that is called the mirfaq because it was leaned on in the irtifaq position which is the leaning down kind of position which was a favorite position of just not just the Arabs generally but the Prophet ﷺ often you will see he's, uh, 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 the, you know, he's been in this kind of uh, position and um, what I wanted to discuss, and Sheikh Uthameen actually doesn't discuss this at all, all right, at all, which is why I wanted to then spend a lot of detail or, or, or go into a lot of detail here, is the actual discussions concerning how we understand and how do we come to the conclusion that the elbow itself is part of the uh, washing or not. Okay, so let's ask the question. When you hear ilal marafiq, Okay, wash your hands until the elbows. What does that just say to you straight away? I just want to just, you know, gauge what you respond. Immediate response, not too much thinking. If I say wash your hands to your elbows, what does that mean to you? Just right in the middle of the elbow. Okay, all right. What do you mean by the whole elbow? So the crease that you see, okay, all right. So we're looking at what the line, yeah, yes, that's right, a line, all the way around, which is exactly the same as that here, because that's that's the that's the pointy part, okay, which is a non kind of physiological kind of approach, I think, right? Yeah, it's a more visual approach, because I think the. The uh, the the the, the uh, edge of the elbow is sorry the pointing the pointy edge of the elbow is the pointy edge of the elbow. It's not the end of the elbow. The elbow still is extending further. The joint itself is a joint, so it's still extending. Okay, but that's fine. Yeah, I just I just want to know. Like, what do, what, what, what do you think? What, what what do you understand when you here wash your hands until the elbows? So behind, so you've been different to these two now. You see, you said grand. Why? Because because the whole elbow joint. I would, I would include the word elbow to mean the whole elbow joint. Right. So when you hear to the elbow, you you would say it needs to include it. Yep. Any other responses? Anyone think that two just means two? Like I just get to the line. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like, right? Meaning that there doesn't actually doesn't necessitate the including of the elbow. Normally, you say up to and including. Up to and and you good. So if we wanted something to be, if you want to like wash the whole elbow, then ila would then you'd you'd, you'd expect like a an including kind of part to add to the two. I think that makes sense. I think that that sounds uh, you know reasonable. And so of course they were uh, actually two opinions that uh, that established themselves. Actually, when I say two opinions, I'm doing more than justice to the the first opinion because it was only ever held. Uh, as a fiqhi opinion by Dawood al-Zahiri, okay? And Dawood al-Zahiri, we've talked about him before. You know, you have the madhahib of fiqh, the four main madhabs, of course. Abu Hanifa and Malik and Shafi and Ahmed. And these are the well-established schools of fiqh. And then you have, um, you have uh, this, uh, this imam, this faqih, okay? People get very insulted if I call him a faqih, but, you know, let's just be generous. He is Dawood al-Zahiri, and he's called al-Zahiri, because he is the, th- the founder of the literalist school of thought. And his uh, most prominent student, I think we mentioned last week or the week before, is of course Imam Ibn Hazm al-Andalusi. 
Okay, he was a giant of course in fiqh. Now, um, it's right to call him faqih because that's what he was. He was a jurist. But his school, or his methodology was just different to everyone else. He was just a literalist. And he didn't like, you know, go for so much, yani, you know, non-scriptural kind of proof. So there was nothing there in texts that he'd be weary to kind of go to analogy and weak narrations and this and that, whatever. It's more straight down the line, no flapping about. Okay, so it's a school that needs to be studied when you're studying fiqh and it needs to be respected. And they have so many positions that are correct as well. But often you'll find that when they come with a fiqh position, it's, it's against the four imams. It's against the majority of the scholars. And that's quite common for the Zahiri school of thought. But I don't want you for one second to think that like they don't have positions that the companions themselves used to follow. No, they do. Okay, and so this is a difference of opinion issue. So what did they say? They said that Dawood Zahiri, alayhi rahmatullah, he said that the elbows are not included when we talk about the hands, okay, in the ayah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ Then this means two. It doesn't mean including. And he goes, he goes that, and the reason for that is because two is the end. Two means the end. Al-ghaya, meaning the, um, the limit, okay? He's reached the objective. And, uh, uh, not, not the objective, but he's reached the end. And he goes, whatever is after the end is always different from what is before it. Whatever is after the end is different to what is before it. For example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 187, And then complete the fast until the night. Until the night, okay? So the same word has been used, ila. The word ila means two, yeah? So is this night, does it mean including the night? No. It means complete the fast in the day, brackets, in the day, until the night. And he goes that just as no one says you fast, you have to fast the night, we here also say that, look, the word two means up to, and that's it. He goes... He goes, and second, my, my second proof, Dawood al-Zahiri, he says, my second proof is there's a, a principle, a qaida, a maxim, okay, in usul al-fiqh, that, أَنَّمَا بَعْدَ الْغَايَةِ مُخَالَفٌ لِمَا قَبْلَهَا فِي الْحُكْمِ Whatever is after the end is always different to what is before it in ruling, quote-unquote. Whatever is after the end is different to what was before it in ruling. So, Again, he'd use the example, the, the ruling concerning the daytime is different to what is after it, i.e. the ruling concerning the nighttime. Okay? Um, Sheikh Muhammad al-Mukhtar al-Shanqiti, he wants to respond to these two claims. And of course, this is the response of all four imams and the mass majority of, of Ahl-Sunnah and everyone, actually. Um, he said that, no, actually, the elbows are included. Okay, and when we say the word two, this always means two and including. Okay, it means whatever is with it. It means to include. He goes, for example, the word ila, the word ila can in it can be read as ma'a, meaning with. Okay, so the word ila can mean with. So that therefore you would re- read that verse then that فَخْسِلُوا وَجُوهَكُمْ وَأَيْدِيَكُمْ إِلَى الْمَرَافِقِ now wash your faces and then your hands with the elbows or including the elbows. That's what the translation would change to if we change the word ila in meaning to mean ma'a. 
And he goes, one of the places in the Quran where we see it quite clearly is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, when Isa alayhi salam uh, says, by the by word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, قَالَ مَنْ أَنصَارِي إِلَى اللَّهِ Isa alayhi salam said, and who are my apostles, my ansar, okay, uh, my disciples that are, who are, who will come with me, who will be part of, who will help me, or who, who will come with me to help Allah. To help Allah, meaning who's going to join me in this effort. That's what this, if you want to like translate it ghetto, right? Okay, man ansari illallah, who's with me? That's it. But the technical translation is that who are my helpers that are going to come and help me help Allah? Okay, now helping Allah here obviously means supporting his religion, establishing the, the law, etc, etc. The word ilah here, ilah, does not mean to. It means who's going to join me, who's going to be with me, okay? This is one um, uh, example of linguistically, the word ilah meaning ma'a, meaning uh, with. He goes, uh, also, as for the, the maxim that they've quoted, that whatever is after what that whatever the ruling is on the end, it is different to the ruling before it. Okay, I don't even know what I said actually. What did I? Who wrote it down? What I said. Whatever uh, is after the end is different to what is before it in ruling. Whatever is after the end is different to what was before it in ruling. He goes even this principle fihi nazar. Now this word fihi nazar means it can be debated. It's a polite way of saying then about that son. Yeah. Okay, that's the polite way of how in academia you put it. Fihi nazar. He goes, I think we need to have a look at that again. Like, I don't know about that. Let's really put that under the microscope. So he goes, he goes that we need to be very, very, we need to be very, very specific. That this maxim will only work if whatever is before and whatever is after is from the same jins, meaning the same genus, meaning the same thing in principle. Okay. If it is different in gins, in genus, okay, in principle, like, and I'll give an example in a minute, then it, then agreed, it works. Meaning that the idea, the, the theory that they're giving, it works. So for example, he says that if we, if we say that uh, the, uh, uh, the arm, he goes, what is before the elbow? The forearm. What is after the elbow, or let's say the elbow, and then after the elbow is the upper arm? All of this is from the same genus. It's all part of a arm. Okay? It's all part of an arm. So he goes, here it doesn't apply. Here it doesn't apply. What when the genus is different, such as day, and then we change the genus to nighttime, then it doesn't. Then, then he's the uh, uh, is right. There, there is a difference, and therefore it only means up to and not including because the two genes are different. What well, is a very good and academic response, and this is a very accurate one. And you'll see that if you follow this through with all of the examples of ila used in the Quran, it will fit this principle. He also mentions an interesting point at the end, actually, and he says he goes uh, and actually I don't want to cause kind of trouble, but if I really wanted to. I will say to you that there are a number of scholars that say that when you fast, then you do actually include some of the night time when you are breaking your fast. Because once the adhan is gone, what has started? And what do you eat? You actually are into the night time, right? There are some scholars that you say that you have to actually wait for yani, some part of the night to start. 
Okay, it's not just the very, very last second of the day, but you have to let the night time start, which would actually destroy the argument from the beginning. Right? But he goes, I'm not going to go there, because that's only the statement of some scholars. We also believe that you should only do it up to the day, but if you were to follow the opinion that you got to fast some portion of the night anyway, then he couldn't even use that as an example. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a nice point. He, then he goes, but you know, he's not, he's obviously he wants to completely obliterate the point. He goes, there's a third response as well. The third response is what is narrated from the hadith of Abu Hurairah in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. He said that the Prophet sallallahu that the Prophet ﷺ made wudu and he washed his hands almost until the hatta ashra fil I'm going to translate that literally until he uh, started into the upper arm. Shara or ashra means that you start something. Fi al okay, al adud. Okay, is the upper arm. So he's actually started into it. Not gone into it, but he's gone to the beginning part. Meaning he's blatantly just washed the entire elbow. Completely washed the entire elbow. And now we're going into the upper parts. We can add to this as well, that the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that we mentioned in the first lesson when I was in London, that the companions, they would always, when they used to wash and make the wudu, they used to exaggerate and go way past the elbow as a sign yani, of going above and beyond the minimum. To make sure that it's proper clean and these will be the shining parts. Okay, the shining parts, as the Prophet said on the day of judgment. So, um, and then he said the final, he goes another argument as well. He goes that when we come to discussion about an arm, about uh, 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 something which is in principle, whether it's part of the arm or not, we should always remain on the status quo unless really clear evidence comes to say that we shouldn't. So if it says, so for example, if we're talking about an arm, and it says wash to the elbows, then you would include the elbows. And for someone to say that you wouldn't include the elbows, you would then say to them, bring the evidence to take it out. This is like another kind of uh, uh, linguistic argument. When we mention the word to the elbows, it's safer, more common sense to include the elbows from a linguistic point of view, considering we're talking about the arm. Now, if you want to take it out, bring us a clear proof of equivalent strength, like an ayah or a hadith, that should take the, the elbow out. So, therefore, as the mass majority of the scholars they consider, then you must wash the hand from uh, the fingertip all the way until the elbow. And again, here, my brothers and sisters, I really want to emphasize that this is a massive mistake that I see so many people doing. Now, yes, it's true. In the Hanafi madhab, in the Hanafi school of thought, okay, if a person was to, everyone, by the way, says that you must wash your, your, after you've washed your face, you have to wash your arm from your fingertips until past your elbow. Everyone says that. But the Hanafis have a position. They said that if you forgot and you did what most packs do, which is what? Wash from here. Okay, from the wrist to the elbow. Why? Because your hands are already wet, right? So you psychologically say, well, my hands are wet. And so that's done, isn't it? And I just picked up the water in them. And so I just kind of, you know, do that behavior. And, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the, end of the, the end of the job. The Hanafi said that whatever was done, if you did wash your hands at the beginning as a sunnah wash, remember all of us said that you wash your hands at the beginning as a sunnah, then that is sufficient. The other three imams say absolutely not. And in fact, the mass majority of the scholars said absolutely not. They said the obligation from the Quran is very, very clear. 
They said that, and we're going to come to that as one of the six obligations. The final one is continuity. Yes, there has to be uh, not continuity. Sorry, it has to be in order. Okay, the actions have to be in order, and so therefore, it doesn't matter what you did beforehand. After the face, you have to wash the hands. And if you are going to wash the hands, that means from the fingertips all the way until the elbow. So that's a really important, uh, 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 a, a really important point. And I hope that people uh, understand that. That if you know, if you don't know, then that's something else. That's ignorance and there's a, an excuse for ignorance. But now that you know, and you should tell people as well, that they have to wash their entire hand despite the fact that it's wet. They need to wash their entire hand, okay, again, with the elbow as well, right? That is something which is an obligation, an absolute obligation, okay? Now, a uh, hand here, of course, means a normal hand, but if it was, you know, a bit crazy and had like, you know, three thumbs and six fingers as well, then it's still an obligation to wash all of those fingers, yeah? It's not just like a five-fingered, four-fingered, one-thumb hand, that you need to wash is everything. Likewise, that's if the hand is amputated or cut or whatever, it means from the edge until the edge. So regardless of the nature of the hand, that is all to be included. And this is washing. Now remember what I mentioned last week or week before about the face, that people don't make the mistake. That there's a difference between wiping and a difference between washing. Wiping is when you have wet hands and then you either you... Uh, you, you put it into water and you, you know, shake it or whatever and your hands are just wet or you put your hands in water and you don't shake it and they are significantly wet and you could maybe even, you know, and just do this. And there'd be a lot of water, you know, if you don't shake the hands and you, your hands are that wet and you were to wipe your face, the water would run, wouldn't it? Yeah? And so this is still called wiping. Washing is when the water runs freely upon the skin and then you on top of that then rub and whatever whatnot, Okay? So when we wash the face, that's why the sunnah is to get the water and start from the top. And the water then runs down the face and then you then help it then run down the face by going through all the uh, areas and so on. Remember we talked from the very top of the hairline all the way until the side of the ears where the, where the hair doesn't grow right on the, you know, the edge part, whatever that part's called, but the edge of the, uh, the face. And then of course right until the, the chin, which is there. Yeah. So this is the... So, so this is so this is what I want to discuss. This is the reason I'm, I'm going back to the face now and the hand is to really just emphasize this point that not only are we talking about that it's not good enough to wipe an area, but the water has to flow, but the water has to flow on all aspects of the face, and then obviously you wipe through then the beard, okay? But then on the skin as well, which is why when a person and there's a number of ways of of, of doing this. So, for example, if a person was to uh, uh, just for example, take water, okay, and then let it flow down, and then use that water then to wash. This would be washing because the water is flowing, and you are washing. This is when you would use minimum amount of water. Otherwise, if you're using maximum amount of water, then you might, you know, put the hand under, get it all wet, and then you would then make sure that everything else is then wetened. Now you'll see in the books of fiqh that you know when we talk about things that that prevent water going on the skin. So we're talking about dough, yeah? So if we look, let's take all different professions, yeah? If we're talking a painter, then we're talking paint. We're talking uh, paraffin and oils, all right? Uh, we're a mechanic, we're talking about grease, 
we're talking about women, we're talking about uh, cooking items such as uh, dough. Yes, dough is dries, it doesn't let, let anything happen there. And uh, then makeup of some sort, you know, there might be some kind of cream or something, I don't know. If it's the face, then it's obvious stuff, you know, uh, lipstick, which is waxy and grease and all that stuff. So what's happening is that the, the skin is not being exposed, the skin itself. And because these are hydrophobic substances, then the water just basically gathers on it, okay? And it doesn't run along the skin. It kind of stops and it aggregates, you know, into that kind of, uh, kind of like structure. Or it might not even, might not, it might just fall off. So you'll see, for example, in the books of fiqh, you'll see that it wants the water to run down along the skin. So let me just... If you, if, you, if you see this running, well, you can't, can you? But if you see this, the, the, the water is running, all right? If we look at the way it runs, it is not being impeded by anything on the skin because the skin is very, very dry and it's actually soaking up what it can and whatever it is. If I was to now just flatten it a little bit, the, the water is not uh, uh, being uh, repelled and it's just staying exactly uh, where, wherever I put it. And it's maintaining contact with the skin. The skin itself is clearly becoming wet. The more that I try to spread it, it's very easy that you can see that the skin itself is becoming wet. We know that even though there might not be something there, okay, in certain chemicals, what will happen is that the skin, the water will not pen uh, touch, the, touch the skin. Something which is impermeable. So uh, the reason I'm trying to explain it so kind of thoroughly is because people keep asking... The question, what about this? What about uh, factor X and Rimmel and this? I don't know nothing about L'Oreal, Rimmel, whatever. You can make your own ruling. Yeah. What you need to know is the principle. The principle is that anything which... And so we know that there's different things. So for example, let's talk about the face. Because I don't think anyone uses that stuff on their hands. I don't know. But if we've got face, then we have face cream. Okay, so if you imagine... Um, if you imagine, uh, okay, well, let's think about nail polish. Okay, nail polish is nice and easy. Um, nail polish, you cannot make with all nail polish at all. At all. Nail polish is absolutely impermeable. Okay, henna is not nail polish. Okay, I'm talking about proper nail polish. It is completely impermeable. And I heard this some kind of kalam that there was like this new Muslim friendly permeable uh, nail polish which was out. But uh, I, I, I don't accept that at all. It's not correct. Okay, until it's proven. And some scholars said it's okay. If it's nail polish, it can't be. Because by the nature of nail polish, it's impermeable. Right? If it's something else, which is not nail polish, it's not a paint, then fine. Henna, obviously, in its ugly stage, that's unacceptable. Yeah? Because it's all mud, whatever. Yeah? That because I said, I don't know why it's called mud, or is that just henna? What's it called when it's that muddy part? Henna. So what's it called when it's off? So there's got to be a stage. We call it stage A and stage B? Paste and stained in, yeah? So henna paste, good. So henna paste, that's no good, yeah? You can't go around making all the way henna paste, yes? Now, henna stain is a really good example because you can, even though for all intents and purposes it's like nail polish or it's on the skin, it's actually the skin which is stained and the skin takes water and the nails takes water absolutely fine. The ruling might be asked about uh, uh, lipstick, okay? Now, lipstick itself, unacceptable, because most of the lipsticks are exactly that, hydrophobic and they repel water. But if you were to rub the lipstick away, for example, now, there's two things that will happen. Either you're able to get it completely off, and then that's fine. Do you have to wash your lips? 
to get rid of the lipstick. Why are you going to go there for? That's good. Never. I told you never defend him. You're saying every time, you know, whenever I touch his hand, I go there and goes, no, oh, that's so skankish. Never, ever, brother. I know who the, the, the yeah, badmash one is here. I only go for the badmash ones. I'm like the, I'm like the, what was it? the punisher. Yeah. I am the one who finds the badmash lot. You know what I'm saying? Don't trust this guy. There's no reason for him to attack you at all. I was directly asking sisters and he said, why look at that for? So, do you need to wash it off? You do, with soap. So, you see, it has to be something other than water, right? Because I'm, I'm guessing that if you keep rubbing it with water, it's just not going to get rid of it completely. I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, if I have like oil on my hands, I don't care how many times I wash it, wash it, wash it with water, unless I bring some soap to the game, it's not going to get rid of it, right? No? Anyway, alright. The point is, is that if you were to have makeup, if you were to have, sorry, lipstick, okay, the ruling on the lipstick is that when it's there, in its, you know, in all of its, yeah, in the beginning part, or whatever, and thick and or whatever, ugly, whatever that it is, right? Then, that is preventing water going in, alright? Therefore, although unacceptable, because that, those lips are part of the face. Lips are part of the face, okay? Now, the question is, is that if you were to rub it off, and you still have some color left on the uh, lips, but now the, skin, the water is permeable to the lips, then that's okay. And so here we, we, learn, we, we learn a lesson, that there is a common sense limit to all things which are on the hands and on the face. What are those limits? Those limits are that it's not the color we're trying to remove, it's basically the impermeability that we're trying to remove. We just want to make sure that the skin gets washed and cleaned. So that's the first thing. The second point of common sense is effort. A painter, when his hands are all, you know, caked with paint, he'll wash it off mostly, and then he'll have, you know, quite a bit left, then he'll have to use some soap, then he'll have to use some white spirit, and then he'll use some soap, yep, and then it's all gone. But he's not going to be able to get rid of all of it. You'll see, if you were to now examine his hands properly, you'll see a dot, and because it's white paint, you'll see it a mile off, right? You'll see a dot on his nail there, a dot on his thingy there, and there's a difference of opinion amongst the scholars. And the position of Sheikh Nusab and Taymiyyah is that these small parts are insignificant and they are forgiven. They are pardoned. And so this would apply to the woman in the kitchen when she's got maybe oils on her hands from cooking or dough or something. And she's tried to get rid of uh, most of it and there's a little bit left. Then that's okay. Or she's tried to get rid of her makeup and she's got rid of her most of it. And then that's okay. And the painter and the mechanic. It's about getting rid of most of it. Tiny amounts here and there is not acceptable, it is acceptable, tiny amounts. When I say tiny, I'm literally meaning drops. As for, we know that Prophet ﷺ made someone go back to wash his feet again because he left the size of a toenail. So if I look at my toenail, then that is, yeah, it's about, the, the, my, the, you know, about half the size of that pinky, yeah, right? Pinky, yes, the kids are teaching me that, man, they said pinky. I call it little finger, but they make me call it pink, pinky. So anyway, so... That, I don't know what that is, what, like half a centimeter squared? That's a significant area in it, really. You saw something like that, that has to go. Yeah, but anything smaller than that, here and there, I think that's okay. Well, ink. ink, I think, is all permeable, right? Stained. Yeah, I think ink is all stained. Ink is, 
something which just colors your skin. It doesn't stop the skin getting wet. Anything which stops the skin getting wet. So basically saying anything that's a barrier. Anything which is a barrier, any, um, um, any impermeable barrier. And just if you're wondering what the basis for this is, the Prophet ﷺ in the Sunan of Imam Abu Dawood in a hadith which is Sahih, he said, if you find water, or once you, and when you get the water, make sure that you make it touch the skin. Make sure that it touches properly the skin. So therefore, anything which is a barrier then prevents that from happening. And that's of course, a ghasl. Now, what's important here is that the reason we are so strict in this is because the obligation is to do a ghasl of the wajb and the yadain, which is to wash. Now, as for wiping, which we're coming to now, the issue is a lot easier, a lot more simpler, because when it comes to wiping, it's not about the entire limb, it's not about every single hair, and so therefore there's a lot more ease. So let's come to that then, the wiping of the head, okay, which is the next point. So Shaykh Uthameen, he says, this is the third of the obligations of wudu, and basically he goes, if you want a technical difference between wiping and washing, then uh, wiping does not require water to run along the limb. Jaryan al It doesn't require the water to actually run down the limb itself. So, you know, like we pour water. So, for example, in the first example, we were washing the face, we would get the water and allow it to then come down, and then we would then distribute that water using our hands everywhere. Whereas in the wiping of the face, then we would just put our hands in there, and then we would just go like that. Okay, so that's the two differences there. So... And, and whereas in whereas for wiping, it's enough just to put your hands in the water and then wipe your head. Uh, and Allah has only commanded for the head to be wiped and not to be washed. And that's because otherwise it would make it very difficult upon the people if we had to wash the hair every day. And that would cause illness and in the cold and, and so on. Uh, and, and if you have lots of hair, then that becomes a huge kind of mission. He goes, even when women... Uh, are having a bath. You know what a big mission it is? They have those shower caps and stuff, right? Shower caps? Is that what that thing is? Well, I never understood it, to be honest. You know that thing that's got a net? Shower cap. So I don't get that. How is that waterproofing your hair anyway? Yeah, but it's like got holes in it. No, but when it's without holes in it, it's a swimming, swimming cap, isn't it? You know that swimming cap which they wear? You know, that's something else. I'm talking about the, the one that's got the, you know, like the ones you see the old ladies wearing. <laughs> What's that for them? That's in the kitchen. No, it's got a shower cap. You see, I see a fishnet. Hairnet. Hairnet. In the shower they use it. So they're not washing their hair. Exactly. Women like to wash their hair separately. This is my point. So I'm saying, what's the point of having something to wash the hair separately when it's already the water goes through it anyway? Because they don't want it to get tangled. They don't want it to get tangled, you see? Yeah, he understands it properly. Mm. Yeah, it's not the past, to be honest. But anyway, the point is, is, is um, uh, anyway, the point is, is that Sheikh Uthameen is basically standing up for the sisters and saying, you know, it'll be a big mission. And he goes that, you know, then it gets all wet and, uh, you know, then it goes, uh, the water would then start dripping on the body and blah, blah, blah. It would become a big mission. It would be a Anyway, 
So he goes, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed the wiping. The wiping is from the, uh, the, uh, the, the top of the forehead, okay? Or the top of the forehead or from the, uh, the hairline of a normal person to the, uh, to the neck, to the end of the hairline and the neck on the way back. And, it's, and from the ear to the ear widthwise, okay? And the ear to the ear widthwise. He goes, now, now, um, there's so many different parts of this, but let's just follow Sheikh Uthameen's uh, uh, order, so not to not lose uh, track, okay? Because of course, we're going to learn in a minute that the ears are part of the head, okay? Anyway, he goes, let's just quickly ask a question. He goes, what if someone washes their hair instead of wiping it? In wudu, now we're talking about. Not during a ghusl, okay? Not during a ghusl. He goes, what if someone wants to wash their hair? So he puts his water in and, you know, he goes all, you know, bananas on his head, right? Okay? So what would happen then? He goes, there are three statements, three positions of the scholars. The first position is that this is sufficient. And this is sufficient, it's okay, because actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he, as a concession, gave them wiping when the origin, the origin is to wash. So it's a concession. So it's like you didn't take the concession. It's like, you know what, you know, uh, I appreciate that it's only wiping, but this moment I did, did the washing. So what I've done is I've done what you wanted. I've done actually what's better than wiping because I believe that you would have wanted me to have washed it anyway. Like you've done more. So for this person, it is, it is yani, uh, better. It's like, it's, it's, there's, no, there's no problem. So um, basically he's saying that I understand that you've given me like a concession because of the cold and the admission and whatever, but I've done it anyway. That's, that's the logic. The second position is that it is sufficient, but it is makroo. Meaning that it is, he doesn't have to do it again, but it is makroo, okay? And it will only be accepted if after his washing, and remember washing here could mean literally dunking a whole kind of bucket of your water, of your head. That would be washing, okay? That's important to remember that, okay? Sheikh Uthameen, he says that the second position, to make it acceptable, after it's been washed, they'd still have to wipe it with their hands. That wiping would then cover for the wiping. So what's happened in the second position? If he did wash it, no problem, but you still need to wipe the head and it was a makru action. And it was a makru action. And the third position, okay, uh, by the way, the second position is the, is the position of the Hanbali Madhab. Okay, <coughs> the Hanbali Madhab position, and it's also the position of Sheikh Uthameen as well. Okay, basically is that if you've gone and done that, then as long as you go and wipe it with your hand, then it is sufficient. But it was a, it was a uh, makru action. And the third position is that it's unacceptable. If you've washed it, then you, it is completely unacceptable because Allah said, then wipe your heads. And the Prophet ﷺ, on hadith of Aisha, he said that whoever, man amila amila laysa alayhi amruna fahuwarad, in the authentic famous hadith, that whoever does an action which is not from our actions, it is rejected. So this is a rejected action. This hadith is very authentic, of course. The hadith of bid'ah, okay? Anyone who does an action which is not from our actions, it is rad, yani it's rejected. It means nothing, okay? So this action of washing the head means nothing at all. 
it wasn't better, it wasn't this, that, it's haram, it's not permissible, he'd be sinning washing the head in wudu, and he'd have to do the wudu again. Okay, this is the, the third uh, uh, position. And uh, Shaykh Uthamini goes, there's no doubt that wiping is better than water washing, because Allah told us to wipe and didn't mention the washing at all. And he goes that, uh, that and uh, he goes that if I'm going to choose any of these three positions, I'll choose the madhab because that's safest. He goes, the next part is that uh, what we need to discuss is how, what's, how much of the head and what's the, the manner of the, the, the wiping of the head. Well, the first thing is that, remember, we have this at the beginning and then that at the end. And when you wipe, okay, and you hold your, your hands in this manner, I will demonstrate it all together to make it easier later. But when you wipe over your head, the most authentic ahadith, which are all in the Sahih, all specify from the front to the back. From the front to the back, and then back again. Okay? It is the position of, a, of the majority of the scholars, the majority of the scholars, that what is obligatory is just that. Meaning a single wipe in one direction. Okay? That's the obligation. To return it is sunnah. Now, there's no doubt that to go all the way to the front and then to the back, and by the way, there is a scholarly position which accepts that, and Sheikh Muhammad Shankiti, he goes into a lot of detail, I don't think that you'd want to hear that, that detail. There's a hadith where the Prophet Wasallam was in, in, in Sahih, where he started from the back, oh, no, no, not started. He, he, where he says, فَأَقْبَلَ بِهِمَا وَأَدْبَرُ فَأَقْبَلَ بِهِمَا وَأَدْبَرُ he came to the front with them, and then he went to the back. Wa'adbar. Meaning that you start there, come to the front, then go back again. Now, a number of the ulama, they consider that to be absolutely fine. Meaning, what do they say? They say, this is permissible. You can wipe your head like this and like that, and you can wipe it like this and like that, because of this hadith. Shaykh Muhammad Shankiti says that no. This hadith which says, yani, that he started, came to the front, and then went back, he goes, this is a linguistic style of the Arabs. And he quotes a number of lines of poetry. That's why you don't mess with Shankitis, okay? Right? He quotes a number of Jahili Arab lines of poetry to show uh, that when the Arabs use verbs like that, it means the exact opposite, actually. That when it says that he came to the front and then went to the back, if there's a potential support from somewhere else that it should be the other way around, then it probably is the other way around. And it was a linguistic way of expressing the language. I can't think of an English example. I don't think it works in English language. I don't think if you put something in a wrong order, can you at ever, any circumstance, consider it in the other order. I don't know. Maybe you can think of it in some of the classic English kind of uses. I don't know. But the point is that that's what he says. And he goes, so this is not the sunnah. I want to say to you that, that um, my position uh, on this, and this is the position of a number of ulama, okay, and certainly the position of Sheikh Kehlan, Certainly the position of um, uh, a number of the scholars, and in fairness, Sheikh Al-Uthaymin, is that um, the wiping of the head is an obligation. However it's wiped is up to you. There's a sunnah, and if you don't do the sunnah, but you are able to wipe your hair and your head, then the job is done. So, here's the point. 
to to wipe the to wipe the head all of it is an obligation okay according to uh, 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 Malik and Imam Ahmed according to Abu Hanifa and Imam Shafi'i they said that any part of the head as long as it's considered to be part of the head then that's acceptable and the reason they say that is because we have on the the we have the hadith that the Prophet وسلم, he he wiped on his forelock you know just this part of head part of the head when he was wearing the uh, turban so the turban has that kind of opening there isn't that a triangle and the hair can be seen you know the hair can be seen it's gone back but the hair can be seen and you've got the turban right so you've got a little bit of hair there so he wiped over the hair and then wiped over the turban and so according to this the word uh, here and linguistically using the word ba, okay, biru'usikum, the word ba, this is what some of the scholars said, means part. Ba means part. And, uh, and the, the majority said absolutely not. The word ba doesn't mean part at all. The word ba here, the letter, the letter ba, I should say, it doesn't mean. Um, the word ba, the letter ba, never ever does it mean a portion of in Arabic language. Never. And so this idea of only wiping over a portion, he goes, our response to that is because he wiped over the turban. If the turban wasn't there, he would have wiped over the entire head. And so therefore to wipe over part of the head is unacceptable. So I want you to know that our position is definitely that you have to wipe over the head. But how, how you wipe over the head? Well, the sunnah is to start from the beginning, wipe over and then bring all the, ha- the, ba- the hand back. Okay, but hands back. All the way, hands back, sunnah. But if there's a reason that your hair might get messed up, you know, because you, this is, works for short hair or no hair, no problem. If you have long hair or perm hair or what kind of a glass hair, then obviously that's going to be a mission. So if your, your hair, for example, is all kind of, you know, kind of coming down style or whatever, and then you go, you just spend 10 minutes doing all that, you know, and then you make all that, and suddenly you go like that and it all starts going, and then you bring it down and you're trying to push it all down again. Okay, so in this position, it's permissible according to us for you to start from the back and just bring it all down. Or even better, there's a narration in Abu Dawood and Isham is authentic. The Prophet ﷺ, he dipped his hands in water. Sorry, beg your pardon. He picked up his hands with his picked up the water with his left hand, and and then like this. So I want you to imagine, and it's now quite wet. Didn't shake it. Prophet ﷺ wasn't a shaker. Okay, he doesn't like shaking water. Okay, so he's dipped the hand into the water. He's holding it like this, and now he's gone to the middle of the head. The companion, I forget the name of the Rabi, okay? He said that I saw the water start to drip down, which makes sense. So he's gone to the middle of the head, top of the head. The water starts to drip down now, and he did this. Do you understand? In the direction of the hair growth. And this is the kind of opinion that we give to people, you know, who've got long hair. You know, so if you've got like long kind of hair, or women's hair, you know, whatever, whatnot, and doing all that is going to send it all bananas, yeah, then then that's fine, isn't it? If it's all halfway down the middle parted, then that's perfect. You would then just, you know, go like that. Make sense? Yeah? So that's the position, inshallah, or that's the top position of the class. It is permissible 
for a person to not have to repeat to go back because the hadith in Bukhari actually says that he started from Manbat al Sha'mam, yani the, 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 the hairline, went to Qafahu, yani to his neck, and then he returned his hands back to where he came from. This red, this returning back to where he came from, is the Sunnah aspect of the wiping of the hair. Okay? The fard is the wiping, the single wipe. There's no three wipes, okay? There's no three wipings of the head. We've not seen that from the Prophet ﷺ. And even the return is a sunnah according to the mass majority of the scholars. Therefore, if we combine this idea that it's a sunnah, and then look at the different narrations about various parts of the hair and styles of the hair, and for hair not to get messy, and because this was given, this, this was given as a concession to some of the companions because they didn't want their hair to get messy. Alright? So therefore we understand that however you get to cover, wipe your hair, as long as it's, as it's done, then that's okay. And then, then I guess uh, we can we can uh, yeah. And I guess what I will say to close, um, and then we take up questions, is that with respect to uh, wiping, then the ease, the issue is the issue is easier with respect to hair products. So if you've got hair products which are getting in the way, whatever they may be, okay, then the ruling is not so strict because. In wiping, one isn't aiming to wet every hair. And so as long as some do get wet, then that's going to be acceptable. Okay? As long as some of the hair does get wet. Allahu A'la. So let's take some questions. Yeah. The, the taking of water we're going to discuss in its own section. Okay, the taking of water we're going to discuss in its own section. And also the issue we discussed at the start mm-hmm. about um, including the elbow or not. Yes. Is that a general principle that applies to other aspects? So, for example, covering of the aura to the knee, does that mean including the knee joints? Correct, so, correct, correct. This principle that, that, that is being established is to be understood in its complete way because it's a principle and it applies to all uses of the word to, ila. Okay, unless there's a specific evidence which suggests it isn't, that would be a case by case basis. But the general rule, the rule, is that the belly button has to be included, not the belly buttons on show, and that the entire knee should be covered, not on, not that the the tip of the knee is on show. The reason why the scholars differed over the aura of the knee, okay, is because there isn't evidence to show that maybe it doesn't mean the entire knee, and that is the hadith of Sayyidina Uthman. Because they saw his style. Okay? And a number of other evidences. So what I'm saying is that uh, the basic rule is that two is to be applied in every aspect of fiqh because of the rule you've just learned. But if that area of fiqh that you're going into has other supporting evidence or contradictory evidence, or whatever you want to call it, okay, that would take it away from what's obvious, then that's fine, case by case. Yeah. When you're working the actual head, um do you, like you see a lot of people wiping their necks? Yes. Is that also included? No. So the wiping of the necks is, is, has no basis. The, the reason people do it is that it's based upon a hadith which is very, very weak. Because sometimes the wiping, sometimes a weak hadith is okay, to, meaning it's not that weak and you can justify your action and so on. Well, we've got two problems here. Number one, we're talking about act of worship now. We're talking about good adab or warning people to do... Uh, you know, to do bad things or whatever, which we're a bit easier on, yeah? Using a weak hadith. We're talking about ibadah, hukam. And we know we're not allowed to use weak hadith in that. 
And then number two, when a hadith is very weak, then certainly you shouldn't be included. And the hadith of wiping the neck is very, very weak. Some said it's fabricated. So it is not permissible to wipe the neck like, you know, we do in our cultures uh, 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 in thingy, uh, you know, in wudu. Pats do it, isn't it, really? Actually, I think more than pats. I think I've seen a couple of non-pats do it as well, yeah. 10,000 questions. Huh? Well, how many more? Okay. Ten. Online, yep. If someone forgets to wash their hands or arms and remembers at the end, how does he make it up? Right, good question. So, uh, uh, if a person forgets to wash his hands properly, okay, and then he gets to the end and he realizes that when he did, when he was making his wudu, uh, he didn't actually wash his hands, he has to go back to that part there if he's still within the time frame, meaning that it's only been like a minute or two or whatever, then he goes back to the hands and he continues again from there. So, what would happen is that he would go back, wash your hands, then wipe the hair, then he just can't go and wash the hands. Question about Vaseline. That makes sense, yeah? Yeah? Because, you know, because he has, because as we're going to come to one of the conditions is order. So you just can't go random and just do that and then just finish it. No, you have to like go all the way back and then start again from there and then finish everything off. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that, yeah. Question about Vaseline. Yes. When it's on the body, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Correct. So Vaseline is a good example. Vaseline, in my opinion, has states. In its original kind of state, when it goes fresh on, water ain't getting on jack. But after a while... Even though it maintains a little bit of its oiliness or greasiness, especially when it's visibly not you know, lumped on the skin, it's now kind of gone more permeated in, I think the skin does take water. And that's why it's important that you understand the principle what I'm talking about. That what it's about is pure permeability. And every possible, even every makeup, grease, whatever, whatnot, it has levels. And once you get the maximum majority off, then there is some, even some small traces which don't affect actually getting to the skin. When it gets to that moment, then you're okay. What if you have a scar on your arm or something, and then putting water on it might hurt or something, and then you put a plaster on top of it? Uh, if, if it's not bleeding, should you take off the plaster, wet it a little bit? Or... So this will come in the rulings, which will come later in wiping. But just for now, okay, just for now, you would, if, if you knew that water was going to harm the arm or the area or whatever, and you are able to wash around it, then that's what you do. You wipe, you wash all over the limb, okay, other than that exact area, and then you would wipe over that area. You would wipe, okay? To, uh, you wouldn't have to open it, and so on and so forth. You're not obliged to open up wounds, open up dressings, because they're there for you to get better. Even if it's for precaution, whatever, there's no obligation to uncover that. What the obligation is, is to wash everything around it and then to do a wiping over it. Okay? But we'll come and cover that in detail. Question online. Uh, in reference to sometimes when you're at work and places and you've got clothing on and it's difficult to lift it all above the mm. elbows. Yeah. What's the procedure? Then you get underneath the clothing or what? How, how do you get around that? Right. Buy a different shirt. Well, it's true, man. They have to get a different shirt, man. <laughs> That's messed up, man. I mean, I mean that is messed up, isn't it? They're gonna have to take that shirt off, plainly. I mean, because I mean, because because what happens is that it's not even that it doesn't get up. The person is saying that you can get under. Well, the whole reason it's not getting up is there's no space for it to go. How are you gonna get your fingers up it to wash? So, so yeah, actually he says, if I'm, you know, it just it goes just barely past his elbow. If I'm washing my arms and then rub under the sleeve part, 
is my wudu complete? Yeah, if, if, he, if his fingers are able to get in underneath the sleeve with water that has run to the edge, okay, and the water now is still there, and he's able to push that water further and cover the entire elbow, then that's sufficient. But for example, if he's got a scenario where the water only got to there, and then he just goes with his hands and kind of wipes over it underneath, then that's a blag, isn't it? Yeah? So if he's able to get the water right there and then get his fingers in and then make sure that it's washed, he doesn't have to uncover anything. I mean, even I want to say to you that a person, I mean, this, this, this behavior is, is a modern thing. You know, uh, uh, if you go into the Muslim countries, okay, it, because obviously we're a different culture. We don't like wet clothes. We freak out, right? We're all kind of all gay like that, aren't we? Yeah? Ugh, it's wet, all right? So the point is, is that in the Muslim world, there's no, there's no such concept. You don't see people doing this. You see people, they wash like this. Okay? They wash like that. Because they know that's going to be dry in like four seconds. Yani, you know what I'm saying? By the time you get from there to the, to the musalla, that's dry. And they actually, they actually want that wetness because it acts as an air conditioning effect. You know, touching the skin, cool, evaporates off. It then acts as cool. Yeah, no? You want to go for some physics lessons? Yeah? You like that part, didn't you? Yeah? You see? Yes. Going to come to that. That's a that's a that's a that's a detailed separate uh, section. The issue of hijab, whether one can wipe over the hijab, okay, in place of the hair over the turban. Just for now, in my position, in my opinion, it's permissible, okay, that one does not have to uncover the head and can wipe over it. But there are details with respect to this. One should minimize the practice, use it only when outside, etc., etc. But we will come to this in, in its own section. It is a detailed issue. Yeah. Yes. Yes. How is that different from? Yeah, this is wiping, and this is washing. In washing, it's not permissible to 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 substitute wiping unless there's an injury. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Good question. So, the question is, is that when I, that some people, when they do the, the wiping, they'll wipe, but with not using the, the, the fingers, because that's going to be reserved for the ears. Okay? There's no basis for that. No basis for that. Okay? First of all, you don't need to use every single finger. Sometimes, some finger won't be wet, will be wet. Maybe one finger's hurt, for example, you might be avoiding it. It's got a cut on it, whatever. You might be only doing it like this or whatever. The point is that you wipe your entire head and ha- your uh, your entire head using your hands, as many fingers as possible. And you should not avoid using certain fingers unless you can't. And there's no basis for not using a finger because it's going to go in the ear. That's ridiculous. No, there's no basis for that. But you're right. People do do that. Yeah. Just to clarify, the sunnah is just to wipe the head and make sure some hair is wet. Correct. The, 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 there is no obligation. This is not about wetting. Yeah? And it's not about washing. It's about wiping the head. And when you wipe, we all know that some hair get missed and others don't. And underneath nothing happens, etc., etc. So it's not about making sure the entire hair is damp. That's not the aim of the exercise. The aim of the exercise is to wipe the hair. That's it.
Yeah. The wadi and the is that included in the head? It is. It's the next section. Question: Does uh, taking a bath suffice for doing wudu? The the bath is an, another section. Um, uh, if the ankle is including, uh, is the ankle included in the hadith which says, "Do not let your garment below your ankle"? Uh, from using the word ila, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, it is include. Uh, yani, it is included in terms of it is permissible for an for a garment to be on the ankle, including the ankle. There's three levels of wearing the garment on the ankle. Okay, or above the ankle, isbab. Okay, number one is halfway shin. Number one, the second is above the ankle. Number two is on the ankle. Number three, sorry, is on the ankle. So what's not allowed for is to be dragging underneath the ankle. But there, of course, this hadith has a number of discussions. That's, of course, in a thobe only. Last question then. How can women wipe their heads from back to front to fulfill the sunnah with long hair as you couldn't do it as the hair would stick to the wet hands? So this was exactly what some of the companions said. And it was then given to them as a concession. That if they do have long hair, then this is what is given to them as a concession. Of course they can. Some people, you know, they don't, they don't, don't mind, don't care. If someone's just obviously planning, you know, some show shop plan program or something, I don't know. You know? And then they, they I don't know, women's things, you know? So if they want to, then they can just cover their hair. Okay, yeah? Alright then, Jazakumullah khair, Barakallahu fi. See you guys, inshallah, next week. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك شكرا لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك اللهم وأتوب إليك